Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 6, how God's Spirit was striving with the sons of God, and how God's Spirit did the same also with Zacchaeus, and how everything changed when Zacchaeus opened his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as we approach Christmas time, we have so much to be thankful for. The Friendship with God radio program is thankful for your listenership, and we hope that you are enjoying this Old Testament expository preaching and teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Now, we cannot continue to air this Bible teaching program on this station if you don't support it. And so we would like to ask that if you would consider making a one-time or even a small monthly contribution to support Friendship with God, we'll keep Tom Cantor's tremendous Bible teaching messages airing for you to listen to and grow in your friendship with God. Now, you can donate online at friendshipwithgod.org, or you can donate by calling us now or after the program at 800 247 That's 800-247-3051. We also want to remind you that Tom Cantor also has a bookstore with all of his writings, tracks, DVDs, and teaching. And if you'd like to order any of Tom Cantor's materials, you can do so by going online to friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher on Friendship with God. Very big urgency here. Today, I must, I must abide at thy house. Not tomorrow, but today. And, and not I'd like to abide at your house, not may I, but I must abide at your house. Why? Because of 2 Corinthians 6.2. Behold, now is the day of salvation, is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. And look how everything changed when Zacchaeus opened his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Zacchaeus starts off in verse 2. He comes to the Lord as a thief. But with one call from the Lord Jesus in verse 8, he's giving away half his goods to the poor. In verse 4, he's climbing up a tree and hiding up there to see secretly the Lord Jesus. But with one call in verse 6, he's coming down and he's making himself known to be a seeker of the Lord Jesus. Verse 3, he doesn't know who the Lord Jesus is. Verse 8, he knows for sure that he's... The Lord Jesus is God, and he calls him that. Verse 2, he's chief among the publicans who are pocketing what they had no right to. With one call, everything changes, and in verse 8, he's restoring fourfold to those he's falsely taken from, his victims. Verse 3, he left his house a lost son of the devil. One call from the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 9, He's saved, and he's a son of Abraham. Everything changed in Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus was seeking the Lord, and the Lord was seeking Zacchaeus. And if Zacchaeus never sought the Lord, never went out that day with the goal to find out who the Lord Jesus was, and if he could help him, he never would have been saved. And if the Lord had not been seeking for lost Zacchaeus, and looking up in the trees and calling him and telling him that he had to spend time with him, and Zacchaeus wouldn't have been saved. And the Lord said, did you see that whole process? He says, did you see that whole process of what happened today? That's an illustration of what I mean in verse 10 when it says, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. See? The whole process of what happened with the Lord and Zacchaeus, 
the Lord wanted to just capture in one succinct statement. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And that's what he wants us to see. He says, in essence, I did that today with Zacchaeus because I do that every day because that's why I came to earth. He said, that is simply it. I came here to do this, to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the key verse in the book of Luke. But Luke wrote another book in the Bible. You know what it is? Acts. He wrote the book of Acts. And why is it called Acts? Because it's a history of the acts of the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at Acts 1.1. So turn, if you would, please, to that. Acts 1.1. Acts 1.1. So this very important first verse says, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. What was the former treatise that Luke is referring to? Yeah, book of Luke, right? Okay. What did Jesus began to do and to teach that he's referring to? The key verse. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And why does it say here that the Lord Jesus began to do and to teach? Because he didn't finish it. He began, but he didn't finish. He didn't, be- he didn't finish. Why not? Because the book of Acts is the continuation of the Lord, of the job to get done. See, we are now to be the seekers of the lost so they can get saved. And when the Lord Jesus Christ died and resurrected to heaven, he left. He left earth. I mean, they could have said, three years? You're going? You're leaving? Yes. And his feet left this earth. Those are the feet that it says, talks about in Luke 8, 1, where it says it came to pass that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Those are the feet that carried him from village to village, from city to city, seeking the lost. Those feet left the earth. His eyes left the earth. Those are the eyes that it talks about. In Matthew 9.36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. His eyes that looked for and saw the lost condition of men, those eyes left the earth. His heart left this earth that was moved as what we just referred to in Matthew 9.36, but when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. That's in his heart. Mark 10.21 speaks about when a man approached him, it says Jesus, beholding him with his eyes, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come, take up thy cross, follow me. That heart, that had compassion, that loved the lost, it left the earth. His ears left the earth, that heard the arguments of the lost against him. Like I was talking about in Mark, Matthew 9, 11 through 12, it says, when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? And then it says in Matthew 9, 12, but when Jesus heard that, 
When he heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. Those ears that listened to the lost in order to understand them, those ears left the earth. His mind left the earth. The mind, his mind, the thought of what to say. He heard that. Did you ever notice how the Lord Jesus Christ, unlike us, never gave pat answers to everybody? And it's a little frustrating for us because we say, well, why don't you just give me a formula that I can use every time, you know? I'll just write it down on some three-by-five cards and I'll memorize those verses and that'll be it. But he didn't. He was always changing the response. To some, it was, if you drink this water, you'll never have to drink again. To others, I am the bread of life. To others, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. It was all going different. Why was he doing that? Because he was hearing what that lost person was saying. And, and his mind was engaged and working and devising and creating the best answer. And that's why when he heard, like we just said, when Jesus heard the, what the Pharisees said about um, eating with sinners, his mind went to work and he said, they that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. That mind put together the perfect reply to every argument of every sinner every lost person, that mind left the earth. His mouth, his mouth left the earth that spoke inviting words to the lost, like John 3.16. God so loved, that was his, from his mouth. He said, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God in just one moment. Now, our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, is not just a teacher, pastor, scientist, CEO, and 2009 Whistleblower of the Year award recipient winner. He is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, a Jewish evangelism ministry that has reached millions of lost Jewish people around the world, from the U.S. to South America to Israel, and we've reached them with the gospel and Jewish materials so that they, too, might be saved. Now, Tom Cantor is a Jewish born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we want to reach other Tom Cantors that need to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. We do that through free gospel gifts and messages that we offer for free. You can help us by supporting this Bible teaching radio program by calling us at 800-247-3051-800-247-3051. That's a picture of how you and I should operate in life. Not wait for the lost to fall over, and not be fishing and wait for the fish to jump in our boat, but to do like he's doing, be on the search. Did you ever notice how the Lord Jesus Christ, unlike us, never gave pat answers to everybody? And it's a little frustrating for us because we say, well, why don't you just give me a formula that I can use every time, you know? I'll just write it down on some three-by-five cards and I'll memorize those verses and that'll be it. So what we saw in his example with Zacchaeus is we saw him use his feet to go to lost Zacchaeus. We saw him use his eyes to look for lost Zacchaeus. We saw him use his heart to love lost Zacchaeus. We saw him use his ears to hear lost Zacchaeus repent. And we saw him use his mind to frame the right thing to say and say the salvation has now come into the Zacchaeus' house. And we saw him use his mouth to make the statement so that other lost souls 
could now understand how they also could become a son of Abraham. And all those parts of his body left. His feet that searched for the lost, his eyes that found the lost, his heart that loved the lost, his ears that heard the lost, his mind that devised the directions for the lost, his mouth that spoke the guidance for the lost. All of it left, all those parts. His searching feet, his finding eyes, his loving heart, his hearing ears, his devising mind, his speaking mouth, it all left. And just after three years. And now the Lord Jesus Christ turns to each one of us with that word began in Acts 1. And he says, I began the work to seek to save that the lost. And he says to each one of us, how about you? Will you continue it? My feet left the earth. I now need feet on earth. Will you give me your feet to go to the lost? My eyes left the earth. I now need eyes on the earth. Will you give me your eyes so that I can look through your eyes and find the lost? My heart left the earth. I now need a heart on earth. Will you give me your heart to love the lost? My ears left the earth. I now need ears on earth. Will you give me your ears to hear specifically what each lost person is saying? My mind left the earth. I now need a mind on earth. Will you give me your mind to devise how to respond to each lost person? My mouth has left the earth. I now need a mouth on earth. Will you give me your mouth to speak to the lost, my invitation to be reconciled with God? And that's a question for each one of us. Because our feet, our eyes, our heart, our ears, our mind, our mouth are the members of our body. They're the members of our body. And he's asking each one of us, will you yield them to me? Will you yield those members to me? He's asking for us to give them to him. And that's what's meant in Romans 6.13. Maybe you like to turn to it. Romans 6.13, which is really the meaning behind this verse. When it says in Romans 6.13, Neither yield ye your members. That's what he's talking about. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of righteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. That's the whole burnt offering in the Old Testament. And those that are alive from the dead, and your members, your feet, your heart, your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your mind, your members as instruments of righteousness unto God, an instrument in God's hands. My feet, God's instrument to purposefully go to the lost. My eyes, God's instrument to purposefully look for the lost. My heart, God's interest, instrument to love the lost. My ears, God's instrument to listen to what the lost are saying. My mind, God's instrument to devise the best biblical response to the lost. And my mouth, God's instrument to tell the lost how to be saved. And so now the choice, it's ours. The choice is ours. We can keep our instruments for ourselves, or we can decide we're going to give them for God's use. God is saying to each one of us, what's your decision? I have a lot of work to do that's left, so I need those feet of yours. 
I need those eyes of yours. I need those ears of yours. I need that mind of yours. I need that mouth of yours. There's a work for Jesus ready at your hand. Tis a task the Master just for you has planned. Haste to do his bidding. Yield him service true. There's a work for Jesus none but you can do. There's a work for Jesus precious souls to bring. Tell them of his mercies. Tell them of your king. Faint not nor grow weary. He will strength renew. There's a work for Jesus none but you can do. And that's what the Holy Spirit does also. And he guides people into this truth. And that's our job also. And turn, if you would, to Acts 5, 28. Acts 5, 28 to 32. Now here we have the situation where the followers of the Lord are being threatened. And in Acts 5, 28 to 32, the ones threatening them says, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. It wasn't politically correct to say that, but that's what he said anyway. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance, for to give this grand opportunity to repent and forgiveness of sins, the gift of God. And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. So what are the things that he's talking about? The opportunity to repent. The gift of the forgiveness of sins. That's our subject. That's the topic of what we should be talking about. And notice this great word in verse 32, also. That's the great part about yielding our members the members of our body, to God, to seek and to save the lost. Because when we do that, we get the also. And the also is great because when we get about our Father's business to seek to save that which was lost, then we get the also working of the Holy Spirit. Working in us, working through us, working with us, working alongside us, all at the same time. And when we talk to a lost person, about the opportunity to repent and the availability of the forgiveness of God that God is offering to him. We're not alone. We're not alone because the great referee is there. The great striver is there, the Spirit of God. And he strives with man, as it says in Genesis 6.3. And he's coming in with the authority. And we say this, and then the Holy Spirit comes in and says, that's right. Now you better listen to him. Because it's true. See, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. We work hard. He works hard also. He's working to bring the gospel to the lost as well. And so we see him there confirming the gospel. Now that's a wonderful work of the Holy Spirit that we have when we get about the Father's business. Now, there's one more thing, place where we see the work of the Holy Spirit as a referee. Turn to uh, Romans 9, 1 through 3. Paul brought this out to us, this famous verses about Paul's love for Israel, Paul's broken heart for Israel. He says, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not, my conscience also 
bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now, the Jewish people had been pretty hard on Paul. That's kind of an understatement. I mean, they stoned him. They vowed to kill him. They incited riots against him. And um, that's just for openings. And so it was pretty easy for other people to conclude, well, obviously, Paul has written off his own Jewish people. And he's finished with them. It was pretty easy for people to think that. He was being let down by baskets to escape their murders and so forth. But just to set the record straight, Paul speaks up here and he says, I have not given up my Jewish people. I have not stopped caring for them. And he says, I I have a great heaviness in my heart for them. I have a continual sorrow. It's so profound that I'm telling you I'm willing to go to hell if they could go to heaven. And then Paul is sort of saying, now I know you think this is hard to believe and that I feel this way, but I want to tell you, I have a witness that I feel this way. And he says, it's the Holy Ghost. And if you doubt my sincerity, go ask him. He'll back me up. That's what he meant when he said, the Holy Ghost also bears witness. Now, there's another place. Turn in Romans eight sixteen, chapter before, where we read, Another work of the Holy Spirit, where it says the Spirit also bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. We say we receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. We are the children of God. And the devil in the world says to us, oh, but you're not. You're not. You say you are the children of God. Well, guess what? I'm Napoleon. And how do you know that you're a child of God? How do you know you're right and everyone else is wrong? How presumptuous, how arrogant. You are absolutely sure of that? Now, normally, those questions would cast doubt. Normally, we would question and we would wonder, I wonder if I am right. I mean, I've never seen God. And we would question except for the work of the Holy Spirit. And when these questions come to us, the Holy Spirit, according to this verse, steps in, stands up, and testifies to our spirit, you are a child of God. And we walk away with an inexplicable, an unshakable confidence. And why do we have this? Because the Holy Spirit has stood up and testified to us. I remember last year, there was an atheist outside the Creation Museum on Creation Day who Lydia was sparring with. And he said to Lydia, isn't there a possibility that you might be wrong and there is no God? And she said, no, there's no possibility. <laughs> and so, why would she say there's no possibility? How could she be absolutely confident and unshakable? Because the Holy Spirit was inside of her, not only telling her there was a God, <laughs> that there was God, but that she was a child of God. That's a wonderful work of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the work of the Holy Spirit, and we want with all of our hearts to be about our Father's business. We know what our Father's business is. It's to seek and to save that which was lost. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to keep your requests for the members of our body, Lord, front and center, and help us not to be deceived, Lord, 
but help us to seize the time. Help us to remember only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Another fantastic message from Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program as we've studied the scriptures of Genesis chapter 22 with Abraham and Isaac. We want to encourage you to support this Bible teaching radio program by going online to friendshipwithgod.org to donate one time or calling us at 800-247-3051. We can set you up for a one-time donation or a monthly reoccurring donation, which helps us to continue airing on this station in this city. Again, 800 800- 247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. You can call us right now, or you can mail in your donation or even an encouraging note or letter to Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher, by writing to Friendship with God. That's P.O. Box 711-330. That's Friendship with God, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California, that's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. And again, that's Friendship with God, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California, 92071. Or again, call us at 800-247-3051. And we'd like to encourage you to go online to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse that'll come to your phone or to your email You can also find Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse on Facebook. Just search for Tom Cantor, Friendship with God, and you can also find Israel Restoration Ministries on Facebook. You can receive your daily devotional verse through Facebook, Friendship with God, Tom Cantor, or Israel Restoration Ministries all on Facebook. Or for more information, again, call us at 800-247-3051. Call us, 800-247-3051. Go online to friendshipwithgod.org for more information. Thanks for listening and join us again tomorrow at this same time.